0: The greatest post-game interview in the history of sports. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. As Mr. Rogers would say, John Kerry is special. And Hilton hoses their guests. Bold Alpha is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Nicaraguan Series. Loaded with all Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Agonorsa Farms, the Gurkha Nicaraguan Series is the fullest-bodied cigar in the Gurkha portfolio peppery, spicy, and rich while maintaining absolute smoothness. Add the Gurkha Nicaraguan series to your humidor today. Visit Gurkhasigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva, makers of Camacho and the Camacho Corojo, built with authentic Honduran Corojo to deliver a bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Prepare for the intensity with Camacho Corojo. Camacho, strength and character, it's in our DNA. Available at (music) DavidoffGeneva.com. Greetings and salutations from Command Center Alpha. It is Alpha Dave, the General, and your global five-star Alpha Male-in-Chief. As always, we come to you from the... Command center where there is absolutely no political correctness. It is your destination for alpha male lifestyle conversation and unabashed commentary with no restrictions whatsoever. And let's start off speaking about no restrictions after the Tampa Bay Lightning of the National Hockey League on Wednesday evening defeat the Montreal Canadiens 1-0 in a very tightly contested game at Amelie Arena in Tampa, they defeat the Canadians 4-1 to win back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. And after the game, Nikita Kucherov, who is one of the great stars of not only the Tampa Bay Lightning, but the National Hockey League, provided an epic, entertainment-filled post-game interview. Most of the time, When you hear football players or any players, especially hockey players, they're really pretty close to the cuff. You know, you ask them a question, you know, what what you know that it was a pretty tight game, but you scored the goal. What were you thinking? Well, we just were happy to win. All right, well, tell us about the actual goal. Well, my teammate gave me a great feed. It's all thanks to him, and I was lucky to shoot and score. Typical vanilla milk toast type of commentary not after winning the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. Nikita Kucherov comes into the interview room, no shirt, victory cap on backwards, a Bud Light in his hand, and that was not the first Bud Light that he had enjoyed as he was well on the road to fine inebriation maneuvers, and he is asked a question, and he lets loose. Take a listen.
1: Joe, let's hear it.
0: (laughs) Just, Let's, uh, go, Let's go! Come your, on!
1: Congratulations. Uh, how would you describe your emotions right now uh, after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's a fucking back to back, and yeah, I I couldn't sleep for three nights. You know, and uh, to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you MVP. You you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the uh, Visioner. Uh, and then last year, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Vasi he took both cups. You know, he took MVP, and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that fucking, <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today, and, you know, he kept us in the game. And another shout-out by him. Remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy we... <laughs> I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted. The fans in Montreal, come on, they acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's number.
0: That's number two bullshit. John Romano, Tampa Bay Times. Their final was last last series. Okay. Number one bullshit. Number two bullshit. Absolutely epic. It goes on for about six minutes. We'll post a link, on uh, uh, on uh, our social media sites and our brother. Uh, Podcast website, CigarDave.com, with where you can watch that in its entirety. Absolutely epic, classic, entertaining as hell. And now, Sergeant Steve, have I not been saying number one bullshit the last two days nonstop? That's all you've said, really. That's all I've said, really. Number one bullshit. It's number one bullshit. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Number one bullshit right now. Tear it down. I mean, it's just a classic. And by the way. It's the Soviet players, they come to America. I don't think they want to go back to the Soviet Union. We call it Russia now, but it's still the Soviet Union. We all know that. But I don't think they want to go back to cold Soviet Union wearing those funny fur caps. They don't want to go to Siberia, go to Minsk. They want to stay here. The only thing is, I will say this, the Russian ladies no longer the old ladies with babushkas. Today they're hot, blonde, nice boobs, very hot. That's no number one bullshit. It is truth. So epic interview by Nikita Kucherov. All right, last night after the hockey Stanley Cup series is done, um, I just was in the mood. I didn't really want to watch baseball. I was just kind of in the mood to see what was on Netflix or HBO Max. And actually, for uh, I had to. I didn't realize that um, uh, while I was flicking around, I saw the HBO Max on my smart TV, the, the app. And I just said, you know, I subscribe to HBO. I think I probably get that. Sure enough. Absolutely. So I logged in, and I was looking for some various uh, movies just to see what they had, if there's anything different from Netflix or uh, Prime. And sure enough, I come across this documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? about Fred Rogers, the iconic children's television host, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Every kid growing up, I think in the late 60s, 70s, even 80s. Watch Mr. Rogers. Sergeant Steve, did you watch Mr. Rogers? Absolutely. Did, do your kids or are they that's uh, do they have the reruns going on or No, they that, haven't they haven't watched it so. They haven't seen yep. it. All right. So Mr. Rogers everybody I don't care what everybody loves Mr. Rogers. The way that he would come in to the his pretend well, not pretend but his house, his set, he'd always have a sport coat on and he'd He'd start singing, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And then he would take off his sport coat and he would put on the sweater and zip it up. And then he'd take off his shoes and put on the sneakers. And uh, it was just, it, it was almost as if you were going into Mr. Rogers' home. That's really what it was. And it was interesting to see the sets because very primitive. Today, if you were to do a television show, you'd have the fancy sets, you would have all the fancy graphics. There was none of that it was really mr rogers and his characters that was it and i didn't realize that mr rogers not only was he the host and creator he wrote virtually everything on the show he also performed i think there were 10 different puppet characters that he he did the voices for and performed and wrote so truly a a very talented man that revolutionized not only television or children's television, but I think all of television in general. And and I watched his induction into the, I think it was the Television Hall of Fame or the Academy Awards Hall of Fame, something like that, because they, they did show a, a snippet of that during the Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary. But afterwards, I went onto YouTube and I saw there were several other, videos of him accepting awards and every single adult there were adults in the in actors hollywood moguls ranging in age probably from their 20s to their 80s and when he was talking everyone was dead silent because he commanded that kind of respect and i think many of the people that were in that audience grew up with mr rogers so they were almost in awe of Mr. Rogers, and he just, his speech was very heartfelt. It certainly, I don't believe, was written on a teleprompter, and he spoke very clearly. And so it was very interesting the documentary about, again, as a kid growing up watching Mr. Rogers, all the characters and the people. They interviewed all the technicians on the show, they interviewed the stage manager, the floor manager, they interviewed some of the producers. Here's something you may not know. Now it wasn't in the documentary, but I do know this. Sergeant Steve, there is a very well-known famous actor who was actually uh, an actor on Mr. Rogers. First he started at WQED in Pittsburgh as uh, I think like a cameraman or a set hand, and then he ended up becoming uh, going on air with Mr. Rogers, one of the adult characters. And I'll give you several hints: Batman, Mr. Mom. Michael Keaton. Correct. Michael Keaton was a cast member and on the crew of Mr. Rogers. I think he said for about four years. And when he decided that he wanted to go to expand his horizons, it was Fred Rogers that said to that said to Michael Keaton, you got to go and you've got to do it. And uh, I remember seeing Keaton on an interview. I don't know if it was with David Letterman or if it was Jay Leno. It was one of the late-night hosts talking about, after uh, uh, Fred Rogers had passed away, talking about the affinity and affection that he had for him. So it was very interesting. So I don't th- if you talk about Mr. Rogers, the word controversy does not show up in any way, shape, or form. It just doesn't. Wholesome. He, he taught kids important messages – without being preachy, uh, just a number of topics. And it was very interesting to watch how he, he brought up uh, tragedies. He talked about uh, like when your pet dies. He talked about when a family member or parent passes away. And he did it in a very interesting way, talking not at children, but talking with children and to children. So in the documentary, to my shock, horror and amazement, one of the items that was brought up towards the end of mr. Rogers run uh, on television is a number of groups specifically some I'm going to call it right out there were some ultra conservative and and Republican columnists and groups that called out mr. Rogers for the culture that saying that he perpetuated the the cult the what do we call that um, the um sergeant steve you know today when when kids are, are are identified as they're they're just perfect they're wonderful what do we call that again i'm trying to remember what the what the the term of that is i know there's this like a, a term participation people, trophy society. yeah the participation trophy society Or the entitlement society that's what i'm looking for the entitlement society and I, I thought about this for a second and i'm like what mr rogers telling kids they're entitled no, no such thing. I watched Mister Rogers from the time I was probably five years old till maybe I was—I don't know—ten, eleven years old, twelve years. That probably eleven years old. I don't ever remember him saying you're all entitled, that we shouldn't keep score, that everybody is perfect. That's not what he said. But there were all these columns in the Wall Street Journal. There were there were there were uh, 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 people that went on television on radio saying that a number of the the Entitlement Society is because of Mr. Rogers telling kids they're all special. And it just shows you, I have always stated, that half of Americans are stupid. Now I don't mean that to be a wise-ass, I don't mean that to be derogatory towards people, to be condescending, but you know what I'm talking about. Half of Americans are stupid. has nothing to do with socioeconomic status. It has nothing to do with profession, and it doesn't have to do whether you're Republican or Democrat, because there are plenty of stupid people that are Republicans, that are Democrats, that are millionaires and billionaires, as Bernard Sanders would say, and there's no correlation between stupidity and economic success or political affiliation. And I I firmly believe this, and many of you may be saying, oh, I don't know, that's that's a little bit ridiculous. In your daily life, when you talk to people, You come across someone where you think, geez, common sense should prevail, and they don't get it. You will look at them, you will shake your head, and you'll say to yourself, my God, how can they be so damn stupid? And that's what I'm really referring to, the stupidity, lack of common sense. But I see it all the time. I've said many times on Bold Alpha and my brother podcast, The Cigar Dave Show, that you can feed someone a pile of steaming dog shit But tell them over and over that it is the finest quality filet mignon available. It is a new cut of filet mignon. It is special. It is expensive. It is $50 a pound. And if you tell that and repeat that over and over, they will take a bite. They will grimace for a bit, and they'll say, geez, you're right. Wow, it's definitely a different taste. But wow, this is definitely the best filet I've ever had. Why? Because when you tell someone a lie over and over, it becomes truth. Joseph Goebbels, the director of of propaganda and enlightenment for the Nazi party under Hitler, stated that if you tell the lie often enough, people will believe it. We see that in politics today over and over. So when you tell people lies on a continual basis... They will start believing it. And so people will start believing. Lies were told that, oh, Mr. Rogers is responsible for the entitlement society. And it was interesting. I didn't realize how prevalent it had become. I mean, newspaper articles, there were opinion pieces in, in well-established newspapers across the country. Wall Street Journal, New York Times. People uh, in, in media were, were spouting this nonsense. Now... Thankfully, most people realized it was number one bullshit. Mr. Rogers never said to children, you are entitled, you are perfect, you are wonderful, you do no wrong, you should get everything you want. Never once did he espouse that. What he said was to every child, you are special. You are special. No matter whether you were white, black... No matter what your religion, no matter what your economic status, he always talked to children and said, you are special. Now, is it so wrong to try to help a child gain self-esteem? I think part of the problem today is we don't have enough people providing that self-esteem to children. You look at one-family households where there's no father, there's no male influence. We have a huge problem in society today. Kids born out of wedlock left and right, very prevalent in the black community. And when blacks, it, blacks themselves address it, they're called Uncle Toms. They're called all sorts of names. They're, they're, they're defectors. They're racist. The problem today is we don't have enough kids that are born out of wedlock with someone telling them, you are special you should you you giving them confidence guiding them they are missing the male influence their mothers in many cases are just not qualified to do it or can't do it they're working one or two jobs they're not they don't have the same influence over a child as a male figure whether it's a guardian whether it's a friend whether it's an uncle whether it's a father so mr rogers looked at children and said you are special That didn't mean that they're entitled. Didn't mean they're perfect. So anybody that tried to equate, in my estimation, I got angry watching this. I'm like, how in the hell could these people even consider that Mr. Rogers was an evil figure and equate Mr. Rogers with the entitlement society? Mr. Rogers never said, don't keep score when you play sports, kids. When you play games, don't, don't try to win. When you are out playing with other friends, don't ever count. Don't ever say that you're winning. He never said that. Mr. Rogers always said kids are special, but he never said they were entitled. They're perfect. He never said not to keep score. I guarantee you, in one of his episodes, he probably did talk about sportsmanship, about how learning to win gracefully, learning to lose gracefully guaranteed. So when I see people that would try to equate, and by the way, many of them were Republicans and conservatives, and I have no problem. I'm conservative. I have absolutely no problem calling people out when they are wrong, whether they're Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, socialists, Marxists. When they're wrong, should be criticized, I will call them out. Now, I know there are some people that say, oh, you should never criticize a Republican or conservative. Well, when somebody makes an ass of themselves by trying to equate Mr. Rogers with fostering, perpetuating, creating the Entitlement Society, you have to call it out as number one bullshit, which is exactly what it was. But it was fascinating. If you have not watched it, I would absolutely watch it. I'm sure it's probably available on not only HBO Max, maybe it's available on Prime or Netflix. Won't You Be My Neighbor, 2018, it was an hour and 35 minutes. Fascinating to watch, especially for those of us that may have grown up watching Mr. Rogers. And just talking about the the, the love from his from the cast, the people that work with him, you could tell that it was absolutely not phony. What you saw is what you get. And it was really fascinating to watch Fred Rogers deliver a commencement address. They showed, they showed film of him giving a commencement address, and the number of people that walked up to him that were at the time not only 21, 22, 23, but some people that were in their 30s and 40s that wanted to come over, hug him, thank him, meet him, uh, and express to them what he meant in their lives. So Fred Rogers, by the way, he passed away at 75 just about two years after he stopped doing the show. He had had stomach pains for a long time, uh, apparently kind of ignored them, finally saw a doctor, I think it was October of, I think it was 2000 maybe 2004, 2005, diagnosed him with stomach cancer. He delayed treatment until January because he had some commitment that he wanted to fulfill. And then about six, seven weeks later, uh, he passed away at the age of 75. So Fred Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? Just absurd to think that Mr. Rogers is the cause of the Entitlement Society. We all know that to be false. It is as... Nikita Kucherov would say, number one bullshit. If you are looking to add a full-flavored cigar to your portfolio of cigars to enjoy, I've got the perfect selection for you. The Gurkha Nicaraguan Series. It is loaded with Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa farms in Nicaragua. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series features a Corojo 99 Nicaraguan wrapper, dual Corojo 99 binders, and Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 long fillers. The result, a super full flavored cigar with loads of pepper, loads of spice, very rich, while maintaining absolute smoothness the entire time. Try the Gurkha Nicaraguan series, add it to your portfolio, add it to your humidor. You will be in for a super Nicaraguan puro cigar treat. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkaCigars.com. As Mr. Rogers would say, John Kerry is special. You are special, John Kerry. And John Kerry proved it once again. You will recall. Well, first of all, the special climate ambassador, like we really need one, was over in Ireland. I don't know if it was Scotland, Ireland, Iceland, Greenland, who the hell knows? Somewhere, somewhere in that neck of the woods. This is, I don't know, maybe about six, seven months ago. And of course, he's talking about climate change and addressing the urgent need to focus on climate change, and we don't have time. Time is running out. The Earth could go up one one hundredth of a of a of a, uh, a degree, and if we don't do something in the next five years, we're all doomed. We've been hearing this number one bullshit for forty years. Forty years ago, we said the planet. We, we heard all these scientists and Al Gore saying, if we don't do anything now, in ten years we'll all be vaporized." First, it was global warming, and then when all of a sudden it got cold, they changed it to climate change. And then we heard it 30 years ago. The clock is ticking. If we don't do anything now, I was watching The American President with um, Annette Bening and Michael Douglas. I'd seen that many times. I was flicking around. This is a number of months ago. And sure enough, this movie was done, I think, 27, 28 years ago. Sure enough, when he played – Michael Douglas played a president – one of the things he talked about is climate change. Now, of course, you had Rob Reiner that directed it, so you had liberals that wrote the script and directed it, and clearly he was a Democrat president in the uh, movie. But you had climate change introduced 28 years ago, and he said, "We are going to do something about climate change. If we don't, the Earth." we are going to have massive problems and 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 we're going to the the ice caps are going to melt you know on and on the same number one bullshit that we've been hearing for years well here we are 28 years later i had to laugh i actually stopped the i stopped the movie and had to laugh i said son of a bitch here they are 28 years ago spouting the same number one bullshit and here we are 28 years later everything is just fine the earth hasn't melted the seas haven't you know, risen and covered, buried New York and Miami. And as I've said all along, Barack Obama, the man who said for eight years, we have to do something about climate change. The seasons are going to rise. Miami, New York, they're going to be underwater. Well, he's so concerned about climate change that a year ago, he dropped $13 million on a Martha's Vineyard estate at sea level on the water. Now if he's so concerned about rising seas and global warming and the ice caps melting and the sea rising, then please tell me, why would he drop $13 million? I'll tell you why. Because he knows, John Kerry knows, and every other climate change radical knows that the climate change term, climate change as a scientific phenomenon is number one bullshit. They all know it. John Kerry, when he goes to whatever it was, Greenland, Scotland, talking about climate change, he's interviewed, and someone says, well, uh, Senator Kerry, Ambassador Kerry, you flew over here on a private jet. You burned a ton of fossil fuel. You could have taken commercial. And smugly he answers, well, I have to be in many places, and it's not convenient for me to take commercial, so I have to be here. I have to use it. Typical, condescending, smug, Retort never fails. Right now, there is Allen and Company holds their big—they call it their summer camp for billionaires—out in uh, where is this thing here? Wait a minute, it's uh, out in Wyoming. Hang on a second, Allen and Company. Wait a minute, let me see where it's being held. I don't know if it's Idaho or Montana. Wait a minute, let me just check it here. Let me do a quick. Uh, ah, Sun Valley. I'm sorry, Sun Valley, Idaho. Okay, Sun Valley, Idaho. Do you know that one of the three main topics on the agenda, and these are business moguls, billionaires, entrepreneurs, the number, or one of the three main topics is climate change. We have to address climate change and also they have to address systemic racism. Now, they're so concerned about climate change that every one of these millionaires and billionaires, as Bernard Sanders would say, and zillionaires, they all arrive to Sun Valley via private jet. So much so that the airport is congested and other flights can't get in and out and residents are complaining. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Oh, we're going to discuss climate change. Very important. Going to be on our agenda for our two-and-a-half-day conference. And yet they all come flying in, private jets, burning loads of jet fuel, loads of Jet A, but yet they'll look at you and say, you need to reduce your global carbon footprint. You need to put your air conditioning back up to 78 degrees. And in the winter, you can't heat your house down to seven, or up to 72, 74. You got to keep it down at 60. You need to go get yourself an electric vehicle and even though it's $30,000 more than a regular car, you need to stop doing this and stop doing that. And, and, and they go on and on, spewing their number one bullshit to you. Yet, they'll still live in giant 20, 30, 40, 50,000 square foot houses. Not just one, two, three, four houses they'll have. They'll have their big airplanes. They'll, they'll go in SUVs. And I have no problem with private air transportation. I'm a pilot myself. Love flying around privately. Sergeant Steve. We took, uh, we took uh, Alpha Force One up to Buffalo a few years ago. Do, did you enjoy the ride? It was fantastic. Yes. Would you complain about any of the carbon emissions we were spewing? Uh, no, I was enjoying the carbon Mm-mm. emissions we were spewing. Yeah, 38,000 feet, uh, you know, two hours and uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, nonstop from Tampa to Buffalo for our big pleasure fest. We had Baron on board, voice talent ed. We had some nice catering. We were enjoying ourselves. No complaints. Now you see why the billionaires and millionaires and zillionaires will never, they'll always look at you and wag their finger, but they'll never practice what they preach. I have no problem with gas-guzzling SUVs. I drive on myself. And all these people that are like, we have to go to electrified vehicles. It's good for the environment. It'll reduce emissions. And then you ask one of these climate change wackadoodles, hey, how do you, where do you get the power? to uh, you know to charge your electric vehicle overnight. And you know the answer they'll give you ninety nine percent of the time? Well, from the wall. You 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 plug in, you take the plug, and you you charge up, the power comes from the wall. That's what they'll tell you. They won't tell you, well, you need a primarily carbon-based power plant, whether it's coal or natural gas. And most coal is being phased out. It's pretty much natural gas, which we have an abundance of here in the United States. It burns clean. It is cost-efficient? They never tell you that the power to charge your electrified vehicle comes from a power plant. They never tell you that all of a sudden if we replace 350 million or 400 million vehicles on the road with electrified vehicles, go from gas and diesel to electrified, we're going to have to probably triple or quadruple the number of power plants on, uh, uh, you know, in the United States. And... Wind and solar aren't going to cut it. You're going to need natural gas. So all they're doing is substituting one carbon fuel for another, but they'll never tell you that. They'll tell you to go out and drive small cars and be fuel efficient, yet they'll still drive in their motorcades, in their SUVs, in their limousines, in their private planes, while they wag their finger at you. And it never fails. Here's a perfect example once again. John Kerry, always looking down on you, wagging his finger, saying, do as I say, not as I do. Just like all these other liberal, liberal clowns. And the latest example is John Kerry was photographed walking through Boston Logan Airport, grabbing a commercial flight Monday morning without a face mask. Federal law now says, or an executive order assigned by, signed by brainless Joe Biden, that anytime you are in a, an airport, train station, bus station, on airplanes, I think in buses too, trains, you must wear a mask. Now, I think that is number one bullshit now. I think the time is up. I get a kick out of when people go to the airport and you see these little dots on the floor saying, maintain social distancing, six feet. Yet you go on an airplane and they pack you in like sardines and you're, you know, 14 inches away from someone else. So please, kind of a joke. But John Kerry, walking through an airport body scanner, Monday, 1141 AM at Logan Airport without a mask. He doesn't even have one around his hand around his neck. He doesn't have one that's drooped down. He walks through without a mask. And this is not the first time. Back in March, I think it was St. Patrick's Day, John Kerry was uh, photographed maskless, sitting uh, on an American Airlines flight in first class, by the window, not wearing a mask. The mask was below his chin, Actually, I'm not sure. I think it was hanging off his ear. Right, it was hanging off his ear. He wasn't eating. He wasn't drinking. He was reading. Did not have a mask on. So this is not the first time that he has blatantly flouted the mask executive order. Now, if you flouted it and didn't wear a mask, or I, we'd be kicked out of the airport. We'd be put on a no-fly list. The airline would, would ban us for life. Some sky waitress, uptight sky waitress, would come running and saying, you need to get that mask on immediately. But not John Kerry. Because no sky waitress would ever, or TSA agent, would ever have the guts or the balls to go to him and say, you need to put your mask on. I don't give a shit who you are. Put the mask on. It is number one bullshit. You are not wearing the mask. Now, at the time, in March, John Kerry, after the picture emerged and, and hit social media, went viral, he called the image malarkey, claimed that his mask slipped momentarily. No, it didn't. He's blatantly lying, and he knows it, and we know it. And he walked through on Monday morning at 1141 through the, the uh, explosives detector, metal detector, not wearing a mask. No mask in sight. A spokeswoman for Logan Airport said that masks are required anytime someone is inside the airport or on an aircraft, including during screening, accordance with the TSA mandate. The White House, of course, did not comment. There's a $250 fine for first-time violators, up to $1,500 fine for repeat offenders. Well, he should have been fined now for a second time. That would make a $1,500 fine. A spokesperson for the TSA, the Transportation Screw-Up Administration, declined to comment, but said that the requirement remains in effect on planes and in airports and applies to all passengers, save for those specifically exempted in the security directive, passengers under the age of two, or those who have health issues that would preclude them from wearing face coverings. Well, John Kerry does have a health issue. He has a non-functioning brain. So therefore, he could certainly claim that I don't need to wear a mask because I have a health issue. My brain is non-functioning. Therefore, I'm not breaking the law. John Kerry is indicative of every liberal that walks and inhabits not only the United States, but other countries. Oh, by the way, Kerry was asked for comment, did not respond to a request for comment. A spokesperson at the State Department where Kerry's office is based also declined comment. None of them could say, hey, he's just like everyone else. He has to wear the damn mask. But this is indicative of what we see from specifically liberals, Dems, socialists, Marxists, not only in this country but across the globe. They believe that the laws, the rules don't apply to them. Masks, they're for you, not for me. Driving electrified vehicles and small little vehicles, that's for you, not for me. Taking commercial, that's for you, not for me. Making sure that you do all you can to reduce your carbon footprint. Live in a smaller house. Keep your air conditioning during the summer. Keep it high at 78 or 80. And in the winter, keep the heat down to like 60 degrees. But for them, oh no, it's 68 in their homes in the summer and it's 72 in the winter, guaranteed. It is always do as I say, not as I do. I'm fed up with it. I'm sick of these clowns. And I'm sick of the liberal stream media. I don't call them the mainstream media because there's nothing mainstream about them. They're not middle of the road. They're not mainstream. They're not objective. They are biased. They are biased hard left. The lib stream media says nothing. I assure you, if one of President Trump's cabinet members was on an airplane, wearing, not wearing a mask, It would have made every nightly newscast, every newspaper, made the rounds on social media, gone viral. Have we heard anything from the Libstream media about John Kerry not wearing a mask, even though the picture was shared all over the place? Not a peep. Not a word. Because the rules do not apply to the liberals. And in my estimation, that is number one bullshit and is unacceptable. Screw John Kerry. Anything John Kerry or a liberal tells you about not driving gas-guzzling SUVs or taking private airplanes or keeping your air conditioning down in the summer, living in smaller houses, not firing up your grill because it could cause uh, harmful emissions into the atmosphere, ignore them. Ignore these bastards. That's exactly what they are. They are frauds. They are giant frauds they are con men and women that are perpetuating the biggest con not only to Americans but the global population that climate change is a systemic issue climate change must be addressed immediately that climate change is 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 the most pressing issue we have all climate change is about wealth transfer to make the elites wealthier and you poorer that's all it is. They want you to pay more for fuel, you to pay more for food, you to pay more for power, you to pay more for everything in your life while they enjoy the riches of the wealth transfer. Screw them. If Obama, as I said, was and every other climate change hysterical clown was so concerned about rising sea levels and climate change, none of these clowns would be buying big, mansions, estates on the water. And if you look at all the elite that live on the water that are buying big properties on Martha's Vineyard, Cape Cod, Nantucket, you name it, California, Florida, if they're not concerned about it, why should you? Do the math. They're not concerned because they know climate change is number one bullshit. For six decades, Camacho has been working hard to build the best damn cigars around, perfecting, preserving the authentic Corojo seed that's the foundation of the Camacho blends. They talk about strength and character, and that is in Camacho's DNA. And so is the Camacho Corojo cigar. Complex, flavorful, no compromises, it is bold, it is rich, it is tasty, and it's built Using wrapper, binder, and filler that is grown and harvested in the legendary Hamastron Valley in Honduras. A fifth priming wrapper, deep, dark, rich, three primings in the filler. What you get is a cigar strikingly dark in appearance. Camacho Corojo makes a statement with intensity that's backed up by cedar and earthy notes. A bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Two other items I'd like to get to here as we get set for the weekend here on Bold Alpha. And by the way, let me just remind you very quickly that if you have the opportunity, make sure you check out our brother podcast, the Cigar Dave Show podcast, all about cigars and being a cigar connoisseur. Do a search for Cigar Dave in your your podcast provider, and make sure you subscribe, and make sure you not only subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast, but if you have not done so already, subscribe to Bold Alpha, smash the five-star button, leave a comment if you will, if you like our unabashed commentary. If you like the fact that we're politically incorrect, that we're not afraid to dole it out and separate fact from bullshit, then give us a five-star review. If you want us to give you the phony message to be little wussified betas, then give us a zero or a one-star review. But I think all of you that are listening, you're all alpha males. And I'll tell you another thing that, that is important about being an alpha male. We enjoy our meat. We enjoy our grilling. We love grilling steaks. We love smoking ribs or a brisket. We love our burgers. We love our dogs. We love meat. Why? Sergeant Steve, do you know why we love our meat? It's delicious. Bingo! That's the only reason why we love our meat. But do you know what a recent study? I just saw this article, a study entitled Many Meat, or the, the headline, Many Meat to Feel Madly. Manly, according to study. A study that was done by psychologist Daniel Rosenfeld at UCLA said that men have a tendency to eat meat so they're perceived as manly, and changing that gender stereotype could lead to a reduction in meat consumption. Now, I never once ate meat because it's manly. I know plenty of women that love meat. They love my brisket. They love ribs. They love burgers. They love steak. love their fillets. They're not manly. They're very feminine. They love meat because it tastes good. It's delicious and it is nutritious. I have never once eaten meat because I said, damn it, I need to feel more manly today. So I'm going to take a shower with my Irish spring manly, yes, but I like it too. And I'm going to eat meat and now I'm going to feel manly. Uh, I did not have meat for dinner last night. In fact, I had uh, a nice shrimp dish that I made, very healthy with some uh, very nice vegetables that I put in the wok. And this morning I had nothing because I'm not a big breakfast eater. So I didn't eat meat yesterday. I didn't eat meat uh, so far today. I still feel damn manly and damn, damn alpha. I don't need meat. Need meat or eat meat to feel manly. And this is nothing more up than talking about number one bullshit, climate change. Same thing. We have a group of people who don't like the fact that you eat and enjoy meat. They want you all to be vegetarians. Now, that's a personal decision. I know plenty of people that are vegetarians, they're pescatarians. Fine. I don't tell them, go eat meat. I think they're missing out on something extremely tasty, tender, and juicy, but that's their decision. I'm not going to proselytize them and tell them, you must eat meat. I know people that are vegetarians. I know people that are pescatarians. I know people that will eat fish and chicken or turkey, but they won't eat meat. I know some people that only eat chicken. Some people that, again, they're like half vegan and they're half pescatarian. This is nothing more than an attempt to marginalize men Again, men, the, the feminization of men has been going on since the feminist movement started their number one bullshit 50 years ago, saying that men are the cause of all evil. Men are ke- keeping women down. That that from the time males are born, they're babies, they're just a sexual predator waiting to be unleashed. This is the number one bullshit that has been spewed for the last 50 years. It continues today. And now what they're doing is they are still trying to marginalize men. They're trying to feminize men, but at the same time, they're using the climate change angle to do it. Why? Well, because according to these radicals, these climate change radicals, cows and pigs and any other farm animals that are used for Basically to, to be slaughtered and for food consumption, they say that they are causing an increase in global warming, in climate change, because of the emissions that are going into the air. Never mind that cows were around a lot longer than before humans. They have been emitting, they have been eating grass and emitting methane a lot longer than we've been on this planet. And they're still here. And we're all still here. But this is exactly what they want to do, to say we need to reduce the consumption of meat. We need to tax it because by taxing it, we'll reduce the consumption, and that will be more beneficial for the environment and to reduce climate change, the effects of climate change. In their estimation, they look at the cost analysis of the fact that it costs X number of dollars, and you use X amount of fossil fuels on a farm to maintain the animals, to feed them, to harvest the, uh, the grass or the wheat or whatever the hell they eat, the corn that they eat. And that the fact that cows emit methane in their flatulence, and they emit carbon dioxide, we all do, but they're trying to say that if we don't do anything about it that the earth is going to absolutely just implode. So we need to all go to vegan diets. Well, never mind that, where do you think vegetables. And fruit is grown. They're grown on farms. It doesn't just happen. You can't just naturally have take the natural amount of fruit and vegetables that are on the planet and feed the world. You have to have farms. You need tractors. You need gas. You need diesel fuel. That all costs money. Again, they always fail to look at the big picture. It's like they're telling you, go buy an electrified vehicle. It's great for the environment. Well, Not so fast, because as we've said, you still need to recharge that battery. And how do you do it? You need a power source. You need a power plant so the power travels through all the wires in that plug to get to your battery. You need carbon fuel, primarily natural gas. Also solar and some nuclear, but we're not building nuclear anymore. But primarily you need natural gas or coal. But this is the next salvo. Now they're coming after our meat. And the excuse they're using is because, oh, the only reason men eat meat is to feel manly. The psychologist Daniel Rosenfeld that authored the study said, shifting men's perceptions of ideal gender roles away from traditional masculinity could lead to their reduced consumption of beef and chicken. What did I tell you? They want to feminize men. This is another tactic. We have to shift men's perceptions of gender roles away from traditional masculinity. Why? We're alpha males. We're not shifting anything. We're not going to shift to become wussified betas or feminized uh, pussies. I'm sorry. That is not going to happen under my watch and under your watch. The Study looked at 1,706 American adults aged 18 to 88 regarding their meat eating habits, their willingness to turn vegan or vegetarian, and their tendency to conform to traditional gender roles. See, they're going after traditional gender roles. They don't want men to be masculine, they want men to be feminized. And that's the problem with this country. We don't have enough masculine alpha males. We become a pussified society. That's fact. The study then, the, the authors of the study said, first, they compared that compared to women, men reported that they eat all types of meat more frequently, including beef, pork, fish, and chicken. Men adhere to masculine stereotypes more frequently. Who adhere to ma- masculine stereotypes more frequently? Consume beef and chicken and show reluctance towards going vegetarian. Yeah, I'm not going vegetarian. Yeah, I am masculine. I'm damn proud of it. I am an alpha male. Damn proud of it. I do consume beef and chicken. Yeah, I'm proud of it. You're damn right I'm not going to become a vegetarian or a vegan. That is not going to happen. It said men who eat fish and pork do not stick to those rigid ideas of manliness. I don't know about that. I know plenty of men that eat fish and pork that are absolute alpha males. Women didn't display these trends in the study, which has suggested, according to the study authors, the connection between men's meat consumption and a sense of their masculine identity. A deeper understanding of gender roles may be useful to reducing public meat consumption for improved human health and, here it comes, environmental sustainability. All right, forget the human health for a second. This has nothing to do with health. I know plenty of people. I know somebody that eats steak, meat, six nights a week. He eats fish one night a week, or chicken. That's it. Friday nights. All other nights, steak, whether it's a ribeye, strip steak, filet, every night. He's now, uh, I think, 87, 88. Great health. Looks fantastic. So the bullshit, the number one bullshit that we were fed for so long. Remember we heard... You've got to cut out fat. Fat is evil. you got to eat more fat-free foods. Carbs are good for you. Remember we heard all that nonsense? More grains. Well, what we've discovered and what the medical community has discovered, it's not fat that's the, the cause of evil. It is sugar consumption. The high levels of processed sugar and all the processed foods. Do a, Next time you go to the supermarket, look at added sugars. Now on every label they have to put added sugars. You look at soups. Added sugars. You look, I mean, every product I look at them like, why do I need added sugars in a soup? Now I make I bought one of those those uh, pressure cookers, and I gotta tell you, those things are fantastic. I have made healthy soups with no sodium. Anybody that wants to, I've made great soups. I had split pea soup, I made a lasagna soup, I made an incredible beef barley soup, all with healthy natural ingredients. There was no added sugar. There was no added sodium. There is no added garbage, no added chemicals. And everybody I gave samples to said, this is fantastic. And I told them, you have to salt to taste. I do not use salt. You look at the amount of sodium, the amount of added sugars that are in all these foods. It is off the charts. It is ridiculous. So we heard for years from these supposed medical researchers, you got to cut out fat. No, fat was never the enemy. And now they're telling us we need to cut out meat for improved human health. Meat is essential to human health. Look at people that are vegetarians or vegans. They never look healthy. They always look pale. They look drawn. They don't look healthy. They look weak. Look at Bill Clinton now. Bill Clinton has become a vegan. If you look at him, he's the same age as Donald Trump. Donald Trump looks healthy, vibrant, Bill Clinton sounds like this. He looks tired. He looks weak. He's hunched over. He looks frail. He just doesn't look good because that's all he eats is is vegetables and fruits. He doesn't eat meat. He doesn't have any any quality steak in his system with good iron and, and other important ingredients. He looks terrible. So this is not about human health. This is about two things. Number one, it is about their quest to further feminize American males by saying that eating meat, making you feel badly, like the only reason you eat meat is to feel good about yourself, to feel manly, that you have a you have a, a, a male uh, deficiency complex. Number one bullshit, not true. What they want to do is make you feel guilty, make you feel bad about eating meat, that. The only reason you eat meat is because, you know, it's like small pecker syndrome. The reason you got to go drive a Porsche is because you got a small pecker. Same thing. The only reason you eat meat, you're inadequate down there. That's it. So they're trying to shame men for eating meat. They're trying to shame alphas for being masculine. We will have nothing of the sort. Sergeant Steve, yes. Well, you mentioned you were reading the article, and one thing I noted is they called it a meat-eating habit trying to equate it to like cigarette smoking or something bad correct yes you're exactly right and to me this is again everything is a habit oh you, you developed a bad habit you've got a drinking habit you enjoy a glass of wine a couple of times a week you got a bad habit you smoke cigars you got a smoking habit it's all nonsense meat is not a habit men women have been eating meat for thousands of years way back in the day in the caveman days, the little woman would stay in the cave with the little cavettes. Okay, she'd take care of the cave. The man would go with his big hunting club, and he'd find an animal, he'd whack it, and he'd drag it home. He'd go cook it, and the little woman would then serve it up, and that's exactly how people lived. They didn't go to the supermarket. They had to go and whack the meat themselves. Very simple. It's not a habit. Meat is is an essential part of one's diet. It's fact. Healthy source of iron. Healthy source of protein. You need fat in your system. You And, and the, the, meat that, the, the fat that is in meat is not the processed fat. What did we hear for you? Sergeant Steve, do you remember growing up that you heard that butter was bad for you, we need to eat margarine? Margarine is much healthier. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Okay. What did we find out? And the government perpetuated this. The, the USDA, margarine is healthy. The FDA, much healthier for you. Butter, you know, lard, milk, terrible for you. Bad, loaded with fat. Well, there's something called hydrogenated fat, trans fat, that was in margarine to give it that consistency. And so what they found was that the hydrogenated fats, the trans fat, the absolute worst thing you could do to consume and for your cardiac health. It actually caused the development of plaque. The number one enemy of humans and cardiac health was eating margarine, hydrogenated fats, whereas butter, olive oil, lard, no problem. It's all natural fats. And you'll recall there was a big movement because almost every restaurant used hydrogenated fats and margarine. And about, I think it's about 15, 18, 20 years ago, big movement. Once they discovered what the problem was, there were full page ads taken in newspapers. Scientists said, you got to get rid of this stuff. And every restaurant within two years, McDonald's, Wendy, you name it, every food company said, we're eliminating trans fats. And now you have to put the amount of trans fat on. A, uh, a nutritional label on the side of any packaged food, and you always see trans fat zero, because no food company wants to be associated with trans fat. But the government was the one perpetuating that butter and natural fats are bad for you. So go eat margarine. Go eat foods that have that are fat free. But then when you look at the, they have no fat, they had salt, they had sugar, they had carbs. There's no question in my mind. That's a, that, that eating meat has nothing to do with health. In fact, I think eating meat, like anything in moderation, doesn't mean you go eat a three-pound steak every day. But meat, good for you. But what this study wants to do is demonize you for being an alpha male, for demonizing you for being masculine, because they throw out the line that the only reason you eat meat is to feel good about yourself, to be manly, to show everybody that you're you're masculine. That's bullshit. Number one bullshit. We eat meat for one and only one reason. Because it tastes damn good. Finally, I am not happy. And if you are a frequent traveler, you should not be happy. Because Hilton Hotels is now screwing their guests. And if you think Hilton will be the only hospitality chain that will start screwing their guests, think again. Marriott IHG, all the other hotel, Hyatt, this is going to happen at every hospitality company. Hilton Hotels has announced they will now only offer housekeeping by request. During the pandemic, the first hotel stay I made, I was down in Miami, I stayed in a loft in Doral. You check in, and they have a note saying that we will not be providing housekeeping services to your room unless you are staying a minimum Of five days. Well, they knew that most people spend probably two, three days. That's it. And that if you needed towels, you needed soap, anything. You called down, and they put them, put it in a bag, and hung it on your door. Well, I wanted my room to get made up. I was there. I think after the second night, I likely when I'm when I'm paying for a hotel room, I want clean sheets. I want my bathroom cleaned. That's what I want. I'm a fussy guest. That's how it is. Sergeant Steve, are you happy with just getting your uh, room cleaned when you're traveling only once every five days? Uh, Negative. Right. You want it every day. Want it nice and clean. So when you come back, ah, the bed is made, new towels, it smells nice, the bathroom is clean, that's exactly what you want. You pay for it. It is built into the cost of staying at a hotel. Well, Hilton now announced that they that moving forward, it will no longer offer daily housekeeping at their hotels. Guests who want their rooms may do so by calling the front desk. And here's what they'll tell you. They'll say, well, to protect the environment and to limit interaction and your privacy, we will not conduct daily housekeeping, only by request. They'll always put it into the guest, like it's the guest that wants this. No, they don't. Because if a guest doesn't want housekeeping, they just put the do not disturb sign. Or they call down to the front desk and say, I'm in room 317, no housekeeping today. So now Hilton has made this company-wide. There are some exceptions, however. The Waldorf Astoria, LXR, and Conrad properties will still offer daily housekeeping. Hey, at three, four, five, six hundred dollars a night, you better believe it. And all the Hilton resorts in Asia Pacific will still offer it. Now, in releasing uh, in the press release announcing the change, Hilton said, for your comfort, what did I say, for your comfort, we want your stay to be as undisturbed as possible. Guests are invited to tailor their housekeeping services to their comfort level. To schedule, simply call the front desk. Now they say, of course, between stays, all Hilton guest rooms will be thoroughly cleaned and disinfected between guest stays. They will no longer, however, place a clean and sealed sticker on the doors of the hotel room after the room has been cleaned. Now, this is being done for two reasons. One, primarily, cost. I think that they see labor costs are going up. They've been able to get away and train. Again, this is all about training behavior towards their guests. Look at what the Democrats have done. All the blue states, they use the pandemic to basically corral the behavior of their citizens. They want more government intrusion, so we're gonna tell you what to do. They want more intrusion over business, so they dictated what businesses could and couldn't do. It's all about control. And they've seen that for the past year, 13 months, they've been able to acquaint guests with limited and fewer housekeeping services. And those that want it could still call up. But they know that, again, What did I tell you? Most Americans are lemmings. They will just follow the herd. And most Americans, most hotel guests will say, oh, okay, they're not going to do it. They're not going to call down. Now, Sergeant Steve, you would, I would, all of you alphas would, but most wussified betas will not. But this is done for two reasons. Number one, they've been able to condition guests for the last 13 months. Now they don't have to staff up. Because if you have a full hotel, and most hotels are running at high occupancy rates, let's say you have, I got a friend of mine in the hotel business, and I think he told me that you need like one housekeeper for every, I think he told me like 35 rooms or 40, there's some formula that they use. So think about this. If you're doing daily housekeeping, and let's say you've got a 400-room hotel, I think you need maybe like, let's just say you need whatever, 10, 12 housekeepers. Well, now all of a sudden, you have the same 400-room hotel, but you're only offering housekeeping when a room changes over and on demand. And you know that's probably going to be maybe every three, four days. Now instead of a dozen housekeepers, maybe you say, great, all we need are five or four. So they're able to bring their labor costs down. And we know labor costs are rising because it's getting tougher and tougher, because of the federal unemployment uh, bonuses that have been been doled out, which are now starting to go away, it behooves employees, workers to stay home, do nothing, and make more because their benefits are tax-free. So they can go to the beach, they can travel, they can get a side cash gig, again, tax-free. So eliminating regular housekeeping will lead to a reduction in their workforce, their costs. But the question is, will guests be satisfied? Now, if you're a guest, my suggestion to you, call every day. I'm calling every day. I'm going to call down every morning. Or before I leave the front desk, hi, I'm in room 220. I need my room made up, please. Okay, yes, sir. They're not going to tell you no. Every day, if you have to do that, that's exactly what I will do. I will call down, or I will let the front desk know. And again, Marriott's going to follow International Hotel Group, which owns Holiday Inn, Intercontinental. They will follow Hyatt. You will see every major hotel chain follow suit. They will use this as a way to bring their labor costs down under the guise that we know you want your stay uninterrupted. We know that you don't want to be disturbed, but that if you want cleaning services, housekeeping services, they're available, you just have to call down, knowing full well, that probably 60 to 70, maybe 80% will never call because they'll say, well, you know, I'm only here for two nights or three nights. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'll reuse my my towels or I'll just request towels, that's it. The hospitality industry is going unhospitable. So if you travel as alphas, you're staying, I don't care if you're staying at a Motel 6 or you're staying at the Ritz-Carlton, a one-star hotel or a five-star hotel, When you travel and they tell you housekeeping is only available on request, do what every good alpha male should do, a masculine alpha male. Call down, take 30 seconds, and you request politely hospitality and housekeeping service for the day. Oh, and by the way, please leave me extra towels and extra shampoos. Although now most of them are going to the... The liquid body wash and the liquid shampoos, which actually I prefer. I actually kind of like that, so very, very nice. But you will start seeing this. This is the first of things to come. And as Mr. Rogers would say, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's not a beautiful day in the hotel neighborhood unless I and you get your room properly made up by housekeeping. Alpha Dave, your global five-star general alpha male in chief, as always, we tell it to you straight without any number one bullshit. Have a fantastic weekend. Live it up.